Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Following President Biden's student loan forgiveness program, there's been a lot of talk lately about taxing university endowments. Instead of taxpayers paying for student debt, why not make universities pay for it? How would that work? Is it really good policy? Would it really change the game at all in the end? Uh, we always turn, of course, to Alex Marciano, a policy analyst at the Tax Foundation, focused on federal tax policy to help us unravel all of that. Uh, Alex, uh, this always sounds like a, an interesting thing. Obviously, you've got some of those large uh, endowment universities like Harvard that you know seems to have more money than than most countries uh, under their under their watch. Uh, what is the the real case to be made? Uh, why are people still pushing on this as a possible solution? Well, so I think that there are sort of two angles to take here. Um, I think at a sort of basic level, it's it's uh, it's an easy villain, uh, you know, and, and you say, well, why? What is the fundamental argument for for canceling a student debt? It's that people have gotten this sort of raw deal um, and they're being sort of compensated for this, I guess. And, uh, you know, we'd like to have a villain about who's, you know, wronged people with student debt. And, well, it's OK. Well, it's the universities have made all their have accumulated all this money because of it. Um, and so we want them to pay. But to them, but the issue there is that and I guess it's sort of a fundamental issue with the in the student debt debate, too, is that for the most part, especially for these sort of elite schools, for the most part, degrees do pay off. Um, a lot of graduates of elite schools do have debt, but they also earn significantly more, you know, income because, you know, believe it or not, a fancy Harvard degree opens some doors for people. So um, I think at that level, I, I don't think the argument really, really works for taxing it. But at the same time, I think the, the better argument is that it's about um, – Basically, Harvard gets to be Harvard because it's been around forever. The, the, the whole point of, of these big universities is that they're very old and prestigious, you know, and this yeah. is sort of a self-perpetuating thing. That is just about sort of the brand value. So if, if anything, I think the better case for this sort of a smaller, you know, endowment tax like the existing one we have right now is basically sort of the, the a, a, a way to capture this sort of accrued social, you know, prestige or something. That is the most reasonable case that I can see for it. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Yeah, and as you uh, look at that, uh, of course, that always takes us to the the question of 
maybe not so much on the high end, some of those schools, because there's a lot of social capital that gets built uh, in those that uh, is definitely pays off uh, over time. Uh, but it actually impacts some of those lower level uh, schools that uh, maybe don't have the high graduation rates, maybe are accepting everybody in. Uh, but does that really change any dynamics in terms of the results or the outcomes uh, that people are getting out of their college education? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the thing is, is if if you're concerned that the U.S. has adopted too much of, of what what some sort of critics have said is sort of a, a college for all approach, not necessarily that we have you know free college, but that we have a sort of mentality and a policy view that says that you know basically everyone should go to college or like basically everyone should go to college and you know, this is a mistake. Um. So, and I think that's like a reasonable critique, mm-hmm. but um, I don't think the endowment and endowment tax is a particularly well targeted solution. There, I think you have to deal with a, the much sort of broader apparatus of, of how we subsidize um, enrollment and uh, or you know college education or whatever, and and consider how we maybe under subsidize possible alternatives like trade schools, you know. I think that is a much more appropriate response to the situation and just say, well, we'll tax endowments, which, again, you're hitting the top end, which I think if you didn't have, you know, these subsidies propping up college like higher ed broadly, um, I think that the elite universities would be fine. You know, they're the ones who are um, have this sort of social prestige attached to their names that that is, you know, difficult, you know, is, 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 uh, going to stick around, you know, forever. Um, so again, I, I don't think it's a really appropriate solution to that specific problem. Yeah. And so as we look at it more broadly, uh, in terms of kind of the, the tax status of, of all of these universities, uh, of course, a lot of that is based, uh, on their status of providing some good, uh, for the community and for the country. Uh, and so as you look at that, again, from a tax perspective, uh, is, is the taxpayer getting what it doesn't pay for or what or what the university doesn't pay for by by not having some of those other taxes apply? I mean, I think this 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 is one of those things where you have to get really broad with it and think about, you know, where does the value of higher education come from? I think that the sort of basic way people think about it in a very, very conventional sense is um, people it's it's. It, people people like learn things in college, and then um, because of that, they're they're more productive, you know, workers or, or whatnot in the future, and uh, you know this helps economic growth. People being more productive, economic growth helps everyone. It's an investment, much in the way, in sort of an analogous way to building a, a new new factory or a, a new um, you know new machines um, makes you know. Machines make people more productive. Learning also makes people more productive. That's one way to think about it, and that's that's a social value. So, some of that, I think, some of university education is about that. Um, there's also the argument that it's a lot of signaling, which is basically um, by going to university, you sh- you're telling, showing employers, look, I'm hardworking, I'm diligent, I have a baseline level of intelligence uh, to to be able to graduate college. You know. And this is sort of a signal to say, oh, this guy will fit, this you know, person will fit, fit fine in our organization because they met this criteria. And maybe that's maybe less of a social good. You know, 
people get paid more, but that's just because they they got this particular credential that we've attached a lot of value to. Mm. Um, and that doesn't maybe isn't maybe doesn't have as many shared broader social returns yeah. um, as the human capital development you know story. Um, so again, this is a very this is a very complicated social science debate that I'm sure that like education economists who spend all their time on this would not come to a consensus. So I don't have a particularly strong take here, just that there's probably a sum of both. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think it's, it is one that you kind of get down into the weeds really fast about. And uh, you look at, you know, what is that social good? And is this a, uh, you know, a signaling device or is this a value device? Uh, how does that play out uh, in the end? What What is the real impact on society? Of course, a lot of those early uh, grants were, were based on the fact that they were, you know, training up clergy. And, and that was the social good that was coming out of a lot of these uh, these colleges in the early days. Uh, so it is a fascinating uh, conversation. As you look at it, just real quickly before I let you go, Alex, uh, anything on the horizon, anything else beyond just this uh, debate over whether we should tax the endowments, anything else uh, policy-wise we should be keeping our eye on? Yeah, well, I think there there are several provisions of the, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the, or the Trump Tax Cuts, or colloquially, colloquially uh, that are expiring or starting to phase out at the end of this year, um, mostly focused on the, the tax tax treatment of business investment. Um, I think that it, it's going it, to it. Hopefully, we get a more permanent fix. I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being something that gets kicked down the can every. You know, the fix gets you know can get kicked down the road every year where policymakers just say, you know, we'll, we'll fix this permanently, you know, next year we'll just stop it from starting (laughs) now. Um, But, uh, but those are important issues. Yeah. Alex Marciano, policy analyst at the tax foundation, always interesting uh, to get that perspective on how this impacts again, especially when it comes to colleges and universities. Alex, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Boyd. All right, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we're going to look at Ukraine, the war with Russia. Are Republicans, if they take control, will they be united around Ukraine or divided? We'll talk about that coming up next. Stay with us. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.